All right, so uh, we're going to, we're staying in Mark today. We're um, getting back into uh, finishing out Mark. Um, so turn to Mark 12, if you would. That's where we're going to be. Now, and honestly, too, uh, this last week, week and a half of thinking about this passage has been really interesting for me because I've, I've read it before. Um, I've, I've, I've never had to talk about it with anybody. I don't think it's ever come up in conversation, like with an analogy when someone's asking for my help or a question or something, and me say, you know, it's like the parable of the tenants. I've, I've never had that happen to me in my life, okay? Um, a lot of people probably haven't read this story. Maybe we've just kind of let it be in history, and we've just kind of gone on, right? And this is one that in the past I've always just read and skipped down to the next one because I like that one, you know, or it's easier to talk about, or it's, it's you know, more applicable or something. Um, but today, we're going to talk about it. And so I've been pretty stoked this week to have to look at it a little better. Um, and so I'm honestly kind of excited. And so let's get into it. I'm going to start reading in verse 1. And it's kind of a lot of verses, and then we'll go back and we'll, we'll kind of look at it again, okay? So, um, and this is what it says. He then began to speak to them in parables. He says this. A man planted a vineyard, and he put a wall around it, dug a pit for the wine press and built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and went away on a long journey. At harvest time, he sent a servant to the tenants to collect from them some of the fruit from the vineyard. But they seized him, beat him, and sent him away empty-handed. Then he sent another servant to them, and they struck this man in the head and treated him shamefully, uh, which is an interesting way uh, to say what they really did to the guy. He then, he still sent another, and this one they killed him. And he sent many more, and some they beat, and others they killed. And, and he had one left to send, a son. And he loved this son. He sent him last of all, saying, surely they will respect my son. But the tenants said to one another, this is the heir. Come, let's kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. And so they took him, and they killed him, and they threw him out of the vineyard. All right, let's just stop right there for a second. Um, this story to us seems very crazy, right? That it seems weird that this would ever happen. Surely in today's world, this would never take place. And how in the world could that be a story that Jesus uses to share a truth, right? Well, back in that day, though, that was not an uncommon practice for someone to either come into an inheritance or come into some land or some money. And they would, what they would do is they would search everywhere, obviously, for the, the, the best price on land, and they would develop it right? They would put a wine press there. They would plant um, a huge amount of crop. They would build a well there. They would basically set up a place of residence and a place to make money and set up an industry at this place. And then what they would do is they would usually, and, and this did happen often, they would go back to where they lived or they would move and let someone else take care of it and then come back periodically to just pick up the profit, right? That doesn't sound too different from from things we would see today. But the, the interesting thing, though, about that day is, you know, you didn't have the post office, you didn't have email, you didn't have phone calls, you didn't have as many records as, as now, obviously. And so what they would do is if you were caretaking a piece of land and no one had come to claim anything from it for three years, then the property was seen as yours by that town, by that community. And then for all intents and purposes, you paid tax on that. It fell on you. It fell on you to take care of it. It fell on you to develop it. It fell on you to, to work it and do all these things and enjoy the profits from it, right? 
And so this story is not a crazy story in that day. You can see how that might be a problem, okay? You hire someone, they put up a guise that, oh yeah, I want to take care of it, I want to love it, I'll, I'll give you all the profits, just come back for it during harvest time. And then what happens is, when they send someone back, they, they've come to want all the harvest for themselves, right? Um, maybe they don't think the owner is powerful enough to take it from them back again. And so they would do, possibly, something like this, right? So Jesus is telling this story, and we have to understand, first of all, what it means right then and there to those people. He's talking to a group that's mainly full of Sadducees, okay? This, this religious, more of a political sect in that day. And he's speaking directly to them. And he says, here's the deal. My father um, developed and created this beautiful property, right? This beautiful piece of land. He developed and created everything you see, a garden, if you will. This beautiful place you live, this beautiful, this beautiful area you occupy. And he said, and what's more, he created a wonderful people. And then he entrusted it to you. He entrusted it to you and he said, take care of this people. Take care of this land. Take care of everything you see here. I give it to you freely. All I want is the harvest that's due me at the proper time. And then what God did was he sent prophets to tell them, hey, it, it's, it's time for the harvest. You're not taking care of the land like I asked. You're not taking care of these people like I asked. You're not taking care of the oppressed and the poor and the down and out. You're relying on your good morals to get you through. And I, and I, I don't want you to do that. Give me my harvest. And what the people did is they beat some of the prophets in history. Right? He's going back to Old Testament times. He says, and some of them you beat them. And that was terrible. And he said, but what's worse, it, it got worse for you, is that God then sent you some more. He was patient. He was kind to you. And he said, you know what? No, I, I will send someone again to them. I, I love them so. I really do want them to care for these people. I want them to care for the outsiders. I want them to care for the other nations they're around. I'll send them someone else. I really just want the harvest to do me. I, I want them, I'm, I'm going to give them another one. So he sends another prophet, and they shave him and beat his head and treat him shamefully. Euphemisms for all all kinds of things we could talk about later. And he sends them on our way and the father sins and he sins and he sends some more. He says, no, no, no. Let me teach you how to caretake this garden. Let me teach you how to take care of this. Let me teach you how to, how to live here. Let me teach you how to treat my gift to you. Instead, they, they beat others and they kill some. And they beat others and they kill some. And then finally, God says, what's left for me to do? I'll send the one I love most will come and surely they will respect my son. He even says, Jesus spells it out for him pretty simply from what he's been telling them. He says, here's the deal. The father is so patient that he sends me. And he says, but the problem is me you will kill, which we see later. Um, and he says, and you'll throw me out of the vineyard. And then let's read on from there. Um, what then will the owner of the vineyard do in verse 9? He will come and kill these tenants and give the vineyard to others. Haven't you read the scripture? The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. The Lord has done this and it is marvelous in our eyes. And then they looked for a way to arrest him because they knew he had spoken a parable against them. But they were afraid of the crowd, so they left him and went away. So Jesus basically tells these Sadducees, this group of people. He says, here's the deal. You cannot hear my father's words. Your ears are stopped. You are, you are deaf to my father's words. He has given you something to care for. 
He has given you a nation of people to lead, and you are leading them astray. You're leading them poorly. He says, so I've sent everyone I can. He says, and you know what? God is even sending me, and me, you're going to kill, and you're going to throw me out. But the, the reality of the situation, we were going to jump to later. We'll just discuss it right now. The reality of the situation is, even in doing so, he's exalted regardless. The Sadducees cannot stop the kingdom of heaven that's at hand. They can't. They can kill Jesus all they want. They can arrest him. They can find ways to destroy him, like they say in the last chapter we read last week. They look for ways to destroy Jesus, which is interesting. They don't just want to kill him. They want to destroy him and his message and put it to death all the way. But they, they just can't do it. And so I read this passage, and I look at that, and I, I you know, there's, there's no problem with me on that. I say, yes, Jesus, that's great. And a lot of us, we say, yeah, we know that. That's wonderful. That's a wonderful parable, Jesus. You spelled it out for us. It wasn't too overly confusing. We understood which one the prophets were. You even said son to give us a cheat on that one like we could understand it. And we go through it, we go through it, and even then this week, I was was trying to think of examples of what this is like, but it's just the story in another day. Um, Some of you know I work at Habitat for Humanity. I work with great people there, and we, sometimes it's it's interesting, you you build something, and you want it to be cared for well, right? You you build something, you, you create in some ways and you do this thing it's it's funny when we when we put grass down when we put sod down because t- after you do that you have to water it all the time and so we tell the homeowners like 30 times like you have to water your grass we just planted this for a whole day if you don't water it, it's going to die and look terrible and everyone will be sad mostly me because i spent a day doing this right but the reality is it's not my house so that's not a good example because they bought it they buy it. it's not a gift we don't give them this big thing. They, they buy the house from us. So it's, it's, it's this thing where it's not a real good example for me. And so the only one I thought about this week, because uh, this week um, my, this is too much background story for this, for this analogy, but that's okay. My dad for Christmas gave us manure for Lily's Gardens, and he gave it to her, right? It's her gift, which is an interesting gift. I know that. I'm a hick in my other life, as you will find out. My dad's a ranch foreman, and so he brought this and was super stoked to give it to Lily. He was like, look what I brought you. And she's like, what is in these buckets? And he was like, it's cow poop. It's awesome. She was like, and she was excited. And I was not excited because I knew who was going to shovel the cow poop into the gardens. And that has been me every time. And that's okay. I don't mind doing it for you most of the time. So anyway, so what happens is, okay, let's say this. Let's say Lily and I, Lily made the garden. She built the garden beds. She has spent hours and hours back there killing caterpillars, um, Lily doesn't curse, but in her way of cursing, she's cursing them as she kills caterpillars that are trying to eat her broccoli. Uh, we, we have eaten snow peas and peppers, and we've, sometimes we've had enough to give to other people, and our friends have been gardening, and so they give us tomatoes, and it's wonderful, and it's a great thing, right? Well, let's say Lily and I go to Guam for the summer, okay? And we, we have Mike and Amber, because I saw you, they come to our house, and we say, you know what we need you to do? Would you house sit for us for a summer? The only thing we ask is that you take care of the garden, okay? We'll leave us spend a lot of time on it. We don't want it to just, you know, waste. We don't want the bugs to kill it. We don't want you to forget to water it. Please water it. And then if you would, just a small portion, just save it and put it in the freezer for us. We'll send people over to get it, um, and we'll do that way. And they say, oh, yeah, sounds great. That sounds awesome. Okay, but then when we send someone, Mike, because he's bigger than them, more than likely, punches them in the face and beats them and throws them out of the house and starts eating our vegetables, right? And then it goes on, and this is funnier than I intended. So then it goes on, and we do that again and again. And sometimes they beat them, and then Mike starts to get bold, and he starts just 
killing the people we send. And so finally I say, all right, look, we, we really need the harvest from this garden. I have to send Lily to get it. Surely Lily is so sweet and so good. Surely they will see that this is important to her, that she loves this thing she has created. Surely they will look at Lily and know that I love her and they will treat her well and give her what she's deserved for making the garden. And then they even kill her, right? And so Jesus says, what is left for the owner to do but to go and wreak havoc on that people who has treated his loved one so shamefully, right? You know, I was thinking about that story and I was thinking about the garden while I was shoveling manure and, and it finally, God finally, finally to me because I'm so dense, let me realize that this story is so similar now. It's not, it's not something we have to look hard for spiritual truth in. He, is, he has given us great gifts and entrusted such a beautiful garden to us. He has entrusted you with such a wonderful family that you have. Or you know what? A not wonderful family that you have. But he has entrusted it to you. He has entrusted you with the, the, the God-given, wonderful, created abilities and personalities and loves and passions that keep you awake at night. He has entrusted those to you. You are to take care of those things. He entrusts those to you. Some of you, he has given such, such wonderful careers and callings and loves. And he says, do this. Enjoy it. I am giving it to you. And you know what? All he asks is for the harvest that he's due. He wants the fruits of our labor. He wants us to love relentlessly. You know, a, a lot of us, I've heard this, I think I've heard this sermon preached probably once or twice, and every time it was the fruits of the labor were always souls to be saved. That, that was always what was said. But you know what? It is so much more than that. That is, that is cheating God for what he has entrusted us, if that is all we think our job is, or he entrusts us with our morality. That should, really? That's what God has entrusted us to do? That's taking care of the garden, being really good, not cursing, not watching bad shows and making sure that you're the most moral person on your block. That's what the garden was entrusted you for? That is, that is a cheap harvest if that is all we give. God sends some to us and Jesus spells it out so clear in a passage in Matthew and he says, when you see the poor wonder towards your house, you take them in. This is when you see people that need the advice that God has given you through your life and through the lessons you have learned, you give it freely with all the love you can muster. When you have friends that you love that I've entrusted to you, you cook for them every chance you have and you party at your house and you build community and you give and you give and you give. When you find people in another country that have had an earthquake and terrible things and you know you have resources to help, you go and you help. He has entrusted this to us and he wants harvest. He wants us to give what is owed. Your money is just not yours. It's just entrusted to you. We all know he can take it away as quick as he wants. 
our, our country can take it away as quick as they want. Our economic lifestyle can take it away. Our jobs can fall away as quick as they want. We all know this. That's not something we're numb to. So why do we think those things are ours? Why do we think like these tenants did? We think it's foolish for them to think the Father's not going to come and get what's his. Why in the world do we think that if we just don't give God harvest enough, we get it all? We get to choose how we love. We will love people just like us because that's our fruit. We may love, but we're going to choose how we use it. We have money, and we understand that, but we're going to spend every bit of it on ourselves, and it's even going to turn against us and just want us to have more and more and more. And since we can't spend a little of it right, we're not going to spend a lot of it right. And so we're just going to harvest for ourselves and harvest for ourselves, and it's going to turn black and ugly, and we won't even want it anymore, as it turns out. Why in the world do we think that our that our kids are our kids to do with what we choose for them to do. Why do we not say they have entrusted us to God and we will give them back to him every day if we can? Why do we think that we can have all of it and not give any in return? And I was wondering that this week. It's been, it's been a hard week for me wondering this. I wonder why I get to choose who to love at work and who to be kind to. Why do I get to choose that? The work has been entrusted to me. That position and that job and the paycheck that comes with it and the relationships that come with it, that is just something that's a gift. God has created that and I get to enjoy it, yes. But also, he, he gets the harvest from that. He gets the love I give back to those people that way. He gets the, the whatever I can do. And why do I pick and choose? Why is that? Why, when I feel the Holy Spirit's prompting, do I say, you know what, no, no, not now. Harvest is not now. No, I'm choosing to have it for myself right now. And, and I don't know why that is. But I know two things about that, is that one, if we do that long enough, what is God left to do? Um, there's, there's a passage Jesus talks about, he says, do not harden your hearts. And therefore, not hear my father's voice and not turn and be healed. God will eventually give us what we desire. That's, that's a sad deal. It's a bad day and we've won our hearts to be hard for so long. We don't want his conviction for so long. We don't want his voice in our life or his leading in our life so long. We want all the harvest that eventually he does say and we see it around us. He says, okay, you may have it all then. Take it. Go ahead, have all the dollars you can possibly get your hands on. Love yourself more than anyone else the rest of your days. See how it goes. Go ahead, let your heart be hard then. You've worked so hard for it, go for it. He sends and he sends and he sends people and he sends the son and we say no thank you and he says okay. And then sometimes too, I think we need to realize truth of the matter is Jesus will be made known and glorified he will love he will have the funds needed to love people and care for people whether you're involved or not and so we might as well get on board honestly 
God will have his glory. God will have his weight. He will have his fame, right? God will be made known, and it will be wonderful. And it will happen now. It's not like we have to, to wait for that forever till the afterlife, like we've been taught so long, I don't believe. He'll have it now. He will have it here in Austin now. And so why in the world would we not want to be a part? Why in the world would we not want to join in and enjoy the harvest? Why would we not want to see his capacity of love in us? Why would we not want to see what it's like to truly share what we have? Really share. Why would we not want to be a part of that? And so I think we, we ask ourselves that today. <laughs> I think we, you know, we're about to take communion. Uh, Cody's going to come and lead communion. Uh, Lamar and the band are going to come up now and lead us, and we're going to sing we will take communion and we will tell God by taking communion we are with you we agree and yet some of us just don't we keep all the harvest for ourselves and I just want us to look at our lives and look at what God has entrusted to you that's what I want us to do first look at what is entrusted to you and ask yourselves have I treated it like it's my own have I treated it like I created that Have I treated that like it's mine to use? And then we turn. We repent and we live differently. 